0: Welcome to the Oasis. You guys were getting into those Christmas songs this morning. Well, speaking of Christmas, just a reminder um, Thursday, December the 24th, our candlelight Christmas Eve service right here in the auditorium at Basha. Uh, we'll even have some glow sticks for the kids so they don't feel left out while we're holding our candles at the end of the service. So that's always a very special service. And also, speaking of Christmas, I want to thank Teresa Lindquist for heading up the uh, Phoenix Rescue Mission uh, gift drive. And thank you all for bringing in your gifts today and for those who will be delivering them this afternoon. We really appreciate you participating in that as well. Uh, Also, one other thing. uh, If you're thinking about a little something extra for your child or grandchild, don't forget about Kathy's book. The tiniest tumbleweed that you can purchase out there in the lobby. That would be a great little, uh, great little gift to give for a little guy or a little gal. Hebrews chapter 13 this morning. We are actually finishing our study of the book of Hebrews today. It's been months. I've enjoyed it. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have. But today we come to a conclusion of our study of the book of Hebrews. And we come to what I consider to be the greatest benediction and blessing that is contained in the entire Bible. I I don't think there's a better one in any other book than the one that the author pens at the end of the book of Hebrews. And so what I'd like you to do again this morning is just follow along with me as I read from verses 20 through verse Twenty-five, And then we're going to share some thoughts with you from this final passage in the book of Hebrews this morning. Now may the God of peace, who by the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead, the great shepherd of the sheep, our Lord Jesus Christ, equip you with every good thing to do his will, working in us what is pleasing before him through Jesus Christ, To whom be glory forever. Amen. Now I urge you, brothers and sisters, bear with my message of exhortation. For in fact, I have written to you briefly. You should know that our brother Timothy has been released. If he comes soon, he will be with me when I see you. Greetings to all your leaders and to all the saints. Those from Italy send you greetings. Grace be with you all. At the end, obviously, in those last couple verses, Paul is simply paying his personal respects. Uh, excuse me, we don't know who the author is. I automatically went, Paul. Uh, the author is paying their personal respects to the recipients of this letter. But before that, I want you to notice in verse 22, they mentioned that they want the recipients, to bear with this word of exhortation. It's it's a way of saying, don't shut me off, don't shut me down, Uh, be open to what I am sharing here. This is what we all need to hear. It may not be what we want to hear, but we need to hear it, therefore bear with it. And I thought, wow, you know, we as Christians need to be reminded of that today because we live in a culture and I think it's obviously crept into Christianity where we don't really seek after what we need to hear. We seek after what we want to hear. And the Bible sort of predicts this. It says in the last days Even people within the faith will search out for teachers of the word who tickle their ears. Who basically are telling them what they want to hear, not what they really need to hear. And we have to get to a place where we realize that as followers of Jesus Christ, there's going to be a lot of times in our walk with Christ where he needs to tell us what we need, not what we want. That's the only way we're going to grow. That's the only way we're going to get past things and and mature and move on and increase is being willing to be open to and listen to what we need to hear, not what we always want to hear. And, you know, so often we just shut somebody down or shut them off when we're beginning to hear what we need to rather than what we want to. So that's where the author's coming from here at the very end of the book. He's saying, look, I, these things I've written to you, bear with them. You know, this is important and, and don't, don't just close your ears to it because you don't want to hear it. Now at the end of this as well, he shares with them some really important things. You'll notice up in verse 20, he begins this benediction slash blessing with these words. May the God of peace be with you. And it's a reminder that it is only through God that we can be at peace. The word peace, Irene in the original language means to have an inner calm, quietness, restfulness, tranquility. Let me ask you, are you at peace this morning? There's a lot of people in this world that are not at peace this morning, including Christians. And, and he's pointing out something here, again, that's very important that we need to hear. And that is that unlike the world, the world thinks that I will be at peace when I work from the outside in. In other words, this is how we achieve peace. Everything externally, everything around me, all my circumstances, everything you know that touches me when it's okay, then I'll be at peace. I'll be experiencing that inner quietness and rest and, and calm and all of that. So we work so diligently on making sure all these surrounding things or things that surround our life are where they should be. What God says is, though that will never achieve this kind of peace. Because the kind of peace from the God of peace is a peace that passes all understanding and it is only achieved from the inside out. It is supernatural. It is a peace that comes when you and I find our peace alone in God and then the cool thing is the reverse of what we just talked about. If I have this peace from God that he gives to me because I'm finding my peace in him and my rest in him, then it doesn't matter what's going on around me. It doesn't matter what the external circumstances are. It doesn't matter, you know, what's going on all over and what touches me. I personally can be at peace regardless of the circumstances. It's the kind of peace that we see throughout the Bible with those who follow God. It's why people like uh, in the book of Acts, Paul and Silas could be sitting in prison and praising the Lord and filled with joy. How could they do that? Because their peace, that inner calm and tranquility and rest and all of that wasn't based on what they were experiencing. It was based on their God and their relationship with Him. And they were at peace. Regardless, that's the kind of peace God wants to give to his people. And that kind of peace will not be achieved through the methods and methodologies and philosophies of the world, but only through the God of peace. God wants us to be at peace. He wants us as his followers to experience the peace that passes all understanding. But again, that peace is only achieved not from the outside in, but from the inside out. Then he reminds us, May the God of peace who by the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep. Notice he also reminds us and the recipients of this letter that our standing with God, our salvation, is based on a covenant. An irrevocable decision by God Himself. It's not based on our performance. Which is why, can I tell you, I believe that once a person truly is saved and has accepted Christ as their Savior, that that's why they can't lose it, Because it's not something that they could ever achieve on their own in the first place. It's not something that we can do on our own. We do not stand saved before God based on our performance. We have our standing with God based upon a covenant that he cut with us through the blood of his own son, Jesus Christ. And he simply says, if you come to me and base your relationship and standing with me, not upon your own righteousness, but upon the blood of my son, Jesus Christ, you will be saved. Period. That's the covenant that God has with us. And again, based upon even the understanding of covenant, it's irrevocable. God doesn't come along sometime later and say, well, now I'm going to base your standing with me on your performance. No. We stand before God dressed in the righteousness of Christ alone. And that's the only way You and I stand before God. And when we come to God His way, then we can be sure we have that standing with God. When we heed what the words of Jesus Himself said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father but by me. But when we come by Him, then we can come to the Father. An eternal Eternal covenant. Notice again, this isn't temporary. This isn't something that's going to come to an end at some point. This is unending. It is a forever covenant that God cut with us through His Son and the blood of His Son, Jesus Christ. And then He reminds us that this covenant was also formed when He brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ. And I think he's reminding us also that the God who brought back Jesus, the one who had breathed his last, can also bring us back as well. No matter how far we've gone, how far we've slipped, whatever we think might be a hopeless case, hopeless situation... The author's reminding all of us, uh, did not Jesus breathe His last? Yes, He did. Was God's power not able to bring Jesus back after breathing His last? Yes, He did. In fact, that's what that covenant is based upon. And so He's reminding us, don't ever think that anything or anyone is too far gone. If God can bring back the dead and give them life again, just as He did His Son Jesus, then He can bring you back, and someone else back. And He can bring us up from the depths to maybe where we have fallen from. God can do that. I hope you believe that today. Maybe you need to be brought back Maybe you know of someone that needs to be brought back. God can do it. He's not only the God of peace who has cut an eternal covenant with us. He's a God of miracles. He's the God that nothing is too hard for, that nothing is impossible for. He can bring back the dead. And if He can do that, He can revive and restore whatever life is in any of us as well. I hope that gives you hope. And then he also reminds us that this great God is also the great shepherd of our lives, Jesus Christ. And that we are his sheep. And therefore, he's also then telling us that as his sheep, we need a shepherd we, we can't go through life without being willing to follow our shepherd and let him lead. In fact, one of the leading, if you will, uh, definitions of the word shepherd here in the original means to be the leader. It's not just one who, who takes care of the sheep, who provides and protects them, but more than anything, he leads the sheep. And so by linking... The great shepherd with the sheep, he's saying, are you letting your shepherd lead you? That's why he is our shepherd. So that we will be willing to follow him. Do you hear his voice today? Jesus said, my sheep will hear my voice. And so, again, great things he's sharing at the end of this Great letter that God is a God of peace who made an eternal covenant with us through the blood of his son, Jesus, that he brought back his own son from the dead who had breathed his last and he can do that for any of us. And that He did this all so that not He could just save us and deliver us, but so that He could lead us and guide us as our great shepherd. Are we then allowing Him to lead? Then in verse 21, this is the key phrase that I'm going to focus on today in this message. But I want to just read it Go past it for a moment and come back to it. And if you don't take any other phrase or scripture from today's message, I would like to have this phrase burned into your heads and hearts today as God has been burning it into my head and heart for weeks now. It is these words that God would also equip you with every good thing to do His will. Remember that. God will equip you and I to do with every good thing to do his will. Then he writes, working in us what is pleasing before him through Jesus Christ. The word working could also mean operating. That God literally wants to come into our lives as our shepherd, if you will, as our Savior, as our Lord, and spiritually operate. Perform a spiritual operation from the inside out. And we've already sort of seen that kind of of language from the author of Hebrews when back in Hebrews 4, he reminds us that the word of God is living powerful. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, of the joints in the marrow and all of that. And it cuts into the very depths of our being and our soul. That's one of the main ways how God, in a sense, operates spiritually in our life. He uses, in a sense, the scalpel or surgical tool of His Word to get in there and to root out what needs to get out because it's harming us and harming others and doing damage to our soul and our spirit. And then to take, and then to put into our lives through His operation the things that need to be there. And the author is reminding, again, his readers, God will do this, you see. Because he wants to operate within us to bring about what is pleasing before his very face, is what the word means. That as he observes and looks at our lives, he wants to be pleased with our lifestyle and how we are living life. And that he will do the operating... He will do the surgery on us that needs to be performed to put into our lives the things that needs to be there to continue to please Him and to take out of our lives the things that shouldn't be there because they are not pleasing to Him. And again, He does this all through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever. Amen. Praise, worship, adoration forever which is one of the things that you and I will be doing when we get to glory, is giving Him glory forever and ever. I want to go back, though, for the next few minutes and concentrate on this phrase found in this benediction in this blessing from the author of Hebrews, where he points out that God will equip us with every good thing to do his will couple things notice first of all that the author is saying if you and i will focus on doing his will then we will be equipped many christians today if if they were honest would say i feel ill equipped i don't feel prepared I feel deficient and lacking in my Christian life. And really, when you and I feel that way and we express that, it can only be sort of one of of three things. Either I'm unaware completely that God will equip me to do His will, or I don't believe that. I know it, but I don't really believe it. Or three... I'm not interested at this moment in doing His will. You see? Then we won't be equipped. See, God will never equip us to be sinful. God's not ever going to enable us and equip us to be sinful. We're on our own when we sin. God will never equip us to be selfish. Selfish. If we're choosing and and making decisions based upon self and living for self, God will not enable us or equip us to live that way. We're on our own. God will never enable us and equip us to be a spectator in the body. If we're just content to be a part of the body of Christ and just to sit, and sometimes as I say, sit, soak, and sour, then God will not enable you or equip you to do that. God will enable and equip us to participate. He will enable and equip us to be active and to do, but he will never equip us to be simply a spectator or to be selfish or to do sin. But if you and I are focused on doing the will of God, then the author reminds us, oh, you can count on God equipping you God will enable you to do his will so it's never then a question for the Christian will I be equipped will I be enabled to do God's will the answer has already been given in the word many times including here in Hebrews 13 yes absolutely that's not the question the question for us, our responsibility because God in a sense says I'll take care of equipping you Your responsibility, my responsibility, is simply, are we focused on doing God's will? Because if we're focused on doing God's will at this moment in our life, then we can count on God's equipping of us to do His will. He will enable us. He will supply us. He will furnish us with whatever we need to do His will. If I, as a Christian then, again, feel ill-equipped, deficient, lacking, it's either because I didn't know this truth before today. I didn't know God equipped people to do his will. Secondly, I don't believe that even though I see it in the Bible. He really won't give me what I need to do his will. Or third, I'm just not interested in doing his will. I want to do my own thing. And when you and I are in any one of those categories, even as a Christian, then we will feel deficient, ill-equipped, ill-prepared. But there's some other reasons as well, which is why I want to take for a moment this morning and look at this word equipped. Because it's used a couple other times in the New Testament and it sort of gives us, based upon the context Some different shades of meaning of what the word means and how we can apply it to our life. For instance, here in Hebrews 13 uh, verse 21, the word equipped here means to sort of properly align or adjust. Think of it as you would uh, a car that you have that you have to take in for sort of regular maintenance. And you know we have to make sure that the tires are okay, and that the, the the alignment on the car is fine, and that all the things because we want our car hopefully to continue to work in in good condition. We want it to to run efficiently, okay. Well, in order to do that, we need to continually equip it, if you will. We need to make sure that we're always adjusting and aligning things in that car to keep it in top working condition. This is what the word means. God will do the same with us. He will do whatever adjustments, alignments... Whatever maintenance needs to be done in our lives, again, not to sin, not to live selfishly, not to be a spectator, but to do His will. Are we allowing God to make those adjustments and alignments in order to get us into a proper working order and condition so that we can do His will? You see. That's what the word here, equipped, means. But then, if you go back to the Gospel of Matthew, and you don't have to keep your finger in Hebrews 13, we're going to be away from it for a while. Matthew chapter 4, I want to show you the first time that this word, equipped, is used in the New Testament and how it's used and in what context. I'm going to begin reading in Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. As he, Jesus, was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. He said to them, Follow me and I will turn you into fishers of people. They left their nets immediately and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in a boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. The word translated mending in our English Bibles is the same word translated equip in Hebrews thirteen twenty-one, And here, obviously, in the context, it takes on the shade of meaning of repairing or restoring something. In other words, these fishermen were repairing and restoring their nets, getting them in the condition that they could use them again. So, it also reminds us that obviously the nets were broken. And and we could even say then, in need of healing. Folks, that's another way God equips us. We might not, again, want to acknowledge this or admit this, but every last one of us is broken. It's not just some of us are broken. We're all broken. We're all broken. That's what sin does. And you and I can't, we can't fulfill the purpose God created us for in that condition. We've got to be willing to let God equip us. And sometimes what that means is we've got to be willing to let God heal us. Spiritually, emotionally, and physically. We've got to be willing to let God restore and repair us and heal us and get us to that place where we're in proper condition in order to do His will. But that means that you and I have to be willing to let God do it. Just as the fishermen were mending their nets, you and I have to be willing to let God mend us. But that also then means you and I have to acknowledge that we're broken in some way. That we have some holes in our life, and God is the only one that can mend them. And so I say today to all of us, Is there someone here today that you truly need to let God heal you? There's a hole in your life. There's healing that needs to happen. There's something spiritually, emotionally, and physically that is preventing you from truly achieving your purpose. Just like this net of a fisherman, as long as you're trying to go out there and and wrap up those fish, and get them into the boat, and you've got all these holes, doesn't work. But when you and I allow God to mend those holes, and heal them, and work in our lives, and operate in our lives as He wants to, and bring that healing, and that restoration, and that repair, then we can be equipped by God Himself to do His will. Let God mend you today. And don't be afraid to admit you're broken. As I said, we're all broken. We might be broken to different degrees, but there's not a person here and not a person that will ever listen to this on podcast that can say, I'm completely whole before God. We all at times need God to heal and mend us. And that's what God wants to do. Then if you turn over to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 6, here's another way that this word is used, again, translated, equipped in Hebrews 13, 21, but here translated a little bit differently. And I'm going to begin in Luke chapter 6, verse 39. Jesus, again, is speaking. He also told them a parable. Someone who is blind cannot lead another who is blind, can he? Won't they both fall into a pit? A disciple is not greater than his teacher, but everyone, when fully trained, will be like his teacher. The words fully trained, same Greek word as translated equipped in Hebrews 13, 21 and mending in Matthew 4, 21. So, another nuance or shade of meaning of being equipped is the willingness to be trained by God. It means to basically be strengthened through a disciplined workout or exercise regimen in order to get fit. Again, it's what we've been talking about in our discipleship blog and in the book, it's about getting fit spiritually. That many times as Christians, whether we want to admit it or not, we get out of shape. We get flabby. And can I say it? Sometimes we're just lazy. We are. And God wants to fully train us. It's the way He can equip us and get us into tip-top shape spiritually in order to do His will. You see, in order to accomplish the will of God for any of us, you can't be an out-of-shape Christian. You can't be unfit. There's no way we can achieve God's will that He wants for us and us as a church if we're all out of shape. We've got to be willing to enter into God's training. Now you can begin to see why the author says, bear with this word of exhortation. Because again, these aren't things that we want to hear, that we just willingly embrace. It's like, yeah, you're right. No, it's tough. We have to acknowledge, I'm unfit. I'm out of shape. I've become a little spiritually flabby. And I need to get back into God's gymnasium and work out and discipline my life. And let God put me through the paces and work me out and exercise me so that I can be spiritually in shape to do his will. Can I say, and we're going to get to this, this is one of the reasons why churches that do not focus on spiritual growth and personal growth of their members and truly teach the Word of God, don't end up with auditoriums filled with in-shape Christians. The only way you and I get in shape is to do the tough stuff. The stuff that we don't want to do, but we need to. Again, we live in a world today, and it's invaded Christianity where it's like, well, if I don't feel like doing it, I'm not doing it. Well, we'll never be fully trained by God and become more and more like Jesus Christ if we just live our lives doing what we feel like doing rather than what we need to do every day. Jesus said that a disciple will become like his teacher when he is fully trained, strengthened, strengthened, Through disciplined workout and exercise and rendered fit. That's what it means to be fully trained. That's what it means to be equipped by God. So for some of us, we need God to do some maintenance, adjustments, and alignments in our life. For others of us, we need healing. We're broken in certain ways and we need God to mend us and and restore us and repair some things. For others of us, we just need to get into God's gym and work out. Thank you. <laughs> Let me show you one other time that this word is used in the New Testament. It's found in 2 Timothy chapter 3. And in this, these verses, it reminds us that the primary tool, as we've already talked about, that God uses to equip us, to heal us, To restore us, to repair us, to work us out and exercise us. The primary tool, not the only one, but the primary one, is the Word of God. Look at 2 Timothy 3, verse 16. Every scripture is inspired by God and useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. That the person dedicated to God may be capable, and here it is, and equipped for some good work. Is that what your translation says? No, that's not what mine says either. It says every good work. See, that's why Christians should never feel ill-equipped deficient lacking in our spiritual life because God has given us his scriptures and he says every scripture every one can equip us for everything that we need this word equipped means to thoroughly outfit or furnish Or supply fully. Think of it this way. Now this would not ever speak of me and my family will start laughing at this. But let's say you're planning on going camping. Or you're going on an adventure somewhere. In order to, let's say, enjoy that and navigate that experience. You got to first make sure that you got all your supplies. That you're outfitted for whatever you're doing. You you don't want to get miles away from home and go, Oh, we forgot that, we forgot that, we forgot that. We're not going to be able to stay. We don't have what we need for the adventure. In my younger days, I was even willing to go down whitewater rafting some of the largest and, and most dangerous rivers that our country offers. Some that even the uh, Olympic uh, people practice on. And I was really a fool in my younger days. And that the one time, the, the people weren't even going to let us go that we're managing. Because they said, it's, it's really at the cutoff because it's at flood stage. And it might even be too dangerous for, you know, except those that are experts. Yeah, we talked them into it and went down anyway. Can I tell you, though, that if it wouldn't have been for being with the right guides and going through some training, at least some training, that that would have really ended in disaster. Because I would not have felt in undertaking that that I had what I needed to get through that adventure safely. I would not have felt supplied or furnished. And so what God is saying is, this is why I give you my word. This is why I call my people to saturate yourself with this. To read it, to study it, to meditate it. Because anything that you and I will need to do His will, we will be equipped through this. This book, it will equip us, it will supply us, it will furnish us, it will completely outfit us with everything we need for every good work that we do. That's why we need to be men and women of the book. And can I say then, this is why, as a pastor teacher of the Oasis, this is why. My primary focus is on faithfully teaching the Word of God to all of us. Because this is how we're equipped. Which leads me to one other verse. Ephesians chapter 4. And the reason I end with this is because this word is not exactly like the other four words for equipped in the New Testament. But it is certainly closely related. And it's in the passage in Ephesians chapter 4, and I'm just going to begin reading in verse 7, where Paul is talking to us about Jesus and how he wants to build his church. And he says, But to each of us grace was given according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Therefore it says, When he, Jesus, ascended on high, he captured captives, and he gave gifts to men. Now, what is the meaning of He ascended, except that He also descended to the lower regions, namely the earth? He, the very one who descended, is also the one who ascended above all the heavens in order to fill all things. We could say in order to supply or furnish all things. He is then the one who gave some as apostles... Some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers, don't miss this, verse 12, to do what? I didn't hear you. To what? Equip. Equip Equip who? The saints. For what? The work of ministry. What is my primary job as a pastor? It is to equip you. You. That's what God, that's what I'm going to be responsible for when I stand before Jesus one day. Did you, Jeff, equip the people that came to the oasis? Did they feel equipped? Did you give them my word? Or did they walk away from that church like maybe many Christians do from many churches feeling I didn't get the word. I didn't feel equipped. I felt deficient. I felt lacking because I'm not getting the word that I need in order to be healed, in order to be restored and repaired, in order to grow and increase and be fully supplied and completely outfitted with the word of God that God has given us that he clearly says, I've given you this word so that you will be equipped for every good work. And I believe that one day, as I've already talked about in our study of the book of Hebrews, that every Christian will also stand accountable for God, for what church they chose to be a part of, what pastor teacher they chose to be under, because it is our responsibility to make sure that we are in an environment where we are being equipped. And God will say to a Christian, why weren't you in a spiritual environment where you could be equipped? Because the author of Hebrews wants these people who are struggling. I mean, they're again, they're ready to throw the white flag up and say, I quit. I can't go on. Following Christ is too hard. He wants to remind them, if you're just focused on doing God's will, God will equip you. He'll give you what you need. Even if God's calling you to suffer for Christ, he will give you what you need. You and I never have to worry about feeling equipped or being equipped by God. God has promised us that he will equip us. He will enable us. He will heal us. He will supply us. He will do everything he can if we just focus on doing his will. Is that what we're surrendered to this morning? Let's pray. As the worship team comes, as we get ready to sing our last song, this is basically a song that says, you know, God, take my life. It's a song that basically says, "I, I, I want to do your will, God. Whatever it is, I want to do your will. And so that's what we need to end with today. That's what the author of Hebrews ends Hebrews with. It's reminding all of us as followers of Jesus Christ that God will do the equipping if we just focus on doing His will. If any of us feel ill equipped, deficient, and lacking, there's only a couple reasons for it. Either we're totally unaware of this truth that the Bible teaches, we're unwilling to accept it or believe it. Three, We're not interested in doing the will of God. Or fourth, the idea may be I'm not in a church or in a spiritual environment where I'm being equipped by a pastor teacher. But it's got to be one of those. Because God says, I'll equip you if you do my will. God help us today to push everything else to the side. Help us to bring you, God, front and center. And even in this busy season, help us more than anything else to focus on one thing. And that one thing is this. Am I willing to do the will of God? Remember, God will not equip us to sin. We're on our own. He will not equip us to be selfish and to live selfishly. We're on our own. He will not equip us to be a spectator in the body of Christ. We're on our own. But if we're interested, inspired and motivated to do His will, we can count on Him to come through for us. Let's stand this morning and let's sing this song as a song of of commitment, consecration, and dedication to our Lord today, that we will be not only individuals, but we will be a group of believers here at this church that will be focused on doing the will of God.